Welcome to another CJ3 Foundation podcast. I'm your host and the director of the CJ3 Foundation, Eric Thomas. Give me your undivided patriotic attention as we're about to impart on you another story of service and sacrifice representing our mission to serve our nation's wounded heroes. You're listening to us here in the land of the free because of the brave. Let's uphold our oath, leave no warrior left behind, and support our thin green, blue, and red lines. Why? Because this will defend. Uncle Sam and CJ3 wants you. This is a CJ3 podcast. Glad to have you along on this uh, KIC podcast as we uh, talk to uh, Eric Thomas once again. Uh, Eric uh, with the CJ3 Foundation, the founder and director of the CJ3 Foundation. And uh, Eric, welcome back, buddy. We I always enjoy getting uh, to visit with you. And uh, anytime you get through town, I usually like to see your mug. But truth is, I really want to give uh, Havoc some love. Uh, Havoc, uh, his service dog. Well, I just figured you got uh, too much of Dave Thomas over there, so you, you had to trade me out. But the Greek goddess that is Dave Thomas. Uh, no, it is. It is good to come home. It's like my second home. I mean, I am from Iowa originally. The only thing is, the last couple times the weather has not cooperated. Yeah, I'm, I'm beginning to, to wish you would uh, maybe uh, change your schedule a little bit, or at least bring a front in that's different. Uh, yeah, because it, man, it hasn't been good. It was minus 24 the yeah. last time, oh, here, yeah. and now it's just chilly yeah. and rainy. <laughs> Uh, well, hey, you uh, brought another recipient through, and uh, and uh, this uh, this recipient, uh, Chris, uh, uh, you've known well. Yeah, this uh, one's special to me because yeah, this one's extra important to me. Well, um, on April second, uh, your dad sent me a a text, and it was a forward from uh, I think from a Facebook post that you'd put uh, regarding the anniversary, sixteen year anniversary of, of Abu Ghraib, and I don't know if I'm not going to say that correct, uh, but um, Boy, 16 years, and uh, uh, Chris was there with you. Yep, Chris was. Um, no, kind of like we talked about, it's, it's you know, we, we help veterans and help recipients and help, um, but then what happens when one of our own uh, right. is struggling? And, you know, what good are we if we're not taking care of our own? So it was important um, when, when I found out Chris was struggling with some demons to bring him through our mental health. And I mean, truthfully, it just adds more buy-in to the program once you've been through it as well. Um, so we hopped on a plane and we're out here and Dr. Thomas is working her magic as always. And, and we're feeling the love of Albia while we're here. I'll talk about Albia Grob, but um, you know, before we jump into that, uh, you know, uh, you know, here's Chris out here and uh, you know, we, we, we know the service dog portion of CJ3, uh, important part of it, yep, but, a, this is a, but, a, yep. but it's a part. It's, it's, it's a fun, it's, sexy part. Yes, it's a part it, everybody sees, right? Yeah, and, 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 and the dogs are sexy. Yep. I mean, oh, they yeah. really are, and, uh, you know, uh, but um, it, the reason the dog's there is because you need, they're, they're, they're a constant part of the healing process. They're the service part of the healing process, but the healing process is much bigger uh, than a dog, and um, that to me is a uh, maybe the least sexy part of it, uh, but well, just as important as uh, the dog, and that's the 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 mental health side of things. Well, they say the the worst wounds you could come home with are the invisible ones, right? Because yeah. um, you're struggling with something you don't understand, and nobody else understands it because they're all invisible, and they they don't truly have an appreciation for how bad it can be. Um, you know, I. I've gotten blown up. Uh, I've had over 200 pieces of shrapnel removed from my body. 
I've managed to cover a lot of it up with ink or and or clothes, which I'm sure you're happy about. But, I'm real happy, uh, real happy. But say. you know, so but people don't understand, and and even as even the veteran doesn't understand. Sometimes this stuff comes and goes, and and you wake up one morning and the demons are just knocking at the door, and you don't know why. And so those invisible wounds are are tough to deal with, tough to judge, tough to all that. So um, that's why watching my true battle buddy, because um, he was with me in Korea, in Iraq, worked for me in a federal agency as well, um, as my deputy director of our program of our CJ3 Foundation when I, when I heard he was struggling. And I'm not judging because I have my share of struggles too. I just get lucky that the, 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 pro, the mental health program director happens to be my mother and so I get some inside help. Um, you know, we all struggle and, and he's going through his tough time and so we just like we do with our veterans, we come back to Albia and let's let's go through it together, just like we did in Abu Ghraib. Abu Ghraib, um, 16 years, yep. man, alive. Uh, and it kind of, with, with the intensity of, of the way that we live life and uh, the, the 24 hour news cycle and uh, you know, the headlines change quickly. Hmm. Right and aren't always correct. Yeah, well, that. I can't. No, I can't. Um, <laughs> so how quickly we, you know, you forget such a historic and, and challenging moment. Yeah, let me tell you some quick something about that. So the interesting thing was, so people hear Abu Ghraib and they think obviously the worst of what happened there. Right. right? Um, Chris and I went post the pyramid making scheme. Yeah, I'll yeah, use yeah, that yeah, in jest. Yeah. Um, yeah, there were some things that weren't great that went on there. Uh, but people also ask why, because of my mom and me and, and Chris and some other folks, we will wear our t-shirts of that place or our hats on that place with pride. And people go, how could you do that off of, after what happened? Well, we were on the team to go after that, to go clean it up and fix it and, and make it a respectable place and turn it back to what it was supposed to be. So the reason we can, because we have pride in what we did and what we accomplished while there, you got to learn to cut bait with the negative. Don't get me wrong. Remember that stuff. You know, it's just like some of these historical sites were and markings were taken down. No, hey, there are bad times in our history. There were some not so great things and things not to be proud of, but there's things you keep them close because it, ca it causes you to remember. So we don't go back to that stuff. And, 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 we were there for a good part of Abu Ghraib. We were there to clean it up, to turn it into something it was supposed to be. And, and we did a lot of good for the theater of Iraq by what we did there. Well, typically uh, the markers in my life that I hold on to are the ones where it, I'm coming out of the darkness of my, of my worst moment. And, and uh, my best moments are the heights of my best moments are oftentimes measured off of the bottoms of my worst moments. Yep. Um, but being, being there in that very spot, you know, and um, uh, first of all, the, the, the historical aspect of uh, Saddam Hussein and, and uh, the evil that uh, took place, um, you yep. know, right there. I, I, I don't know how that sinks in when you're there. Well, it was interesting. So we were, we happened to be stationed in Korea, which was, we were the first unit um, deployed from Korea from one hardship tour to another which would be Iraq, and then to come back. And so we had people that were separated from their families for two and three years at that point. That's a long time to be gone. So, um, so yeah, we, we got notified in Korea that we were going over. 
to take over Abu Ghraib, which is in the Sunni Triangle of Death, which is what we're told. And of course, you're like, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> and it, for those of you that like don't, the vacation spot. Yeah, yeah, for those of you who don't know that that means as an American going over there, that means you are surrounded on all sides by bad guys. I mean, truthfully, that's just what that means. And so um, we found that out and did some research on it. And obviously we know what the news had to say about what happened at Abu Ghraib. And so we were up against a lot of things going over there. And, um, you know, quite literally, you know, we knew we were going for a year. And when we got there, um, every day we were taking 70 to 80 mortar rounds a day, just constantly getting hammered, you know, very reminiscent of, Vietnam or some of those other places, right? It just, um, it was that bad. Uh, the helicopters would drop us off and they would barely put their skids or, or, or tires down on the ground before they were kicking you off. And if you weren't off then, because they were not gonna sit there very long because it, it was that hot of a place. And so we had to go to this place following what was on the news with a lot of oversight and try to figure out, get a handle on what we had and figure out how to make this place better and operational. And mind you, on this facility that we owned, there was also an Iraqi prison that we didn't control within that place. That, that just is ridiculous. I think the, no one can really, it's difficult for me to sit here and understand the compound. Yeah. Because this is, this is massive. Yeah. And uh, I'll let you describe it because it just, it, it's, it's not, I can't put it to, in my own thoughts. No, it's a, a couple miles wide. Um, that it's been there forever, and even before Abu, even before the what happened on the American side of there, Abu Ghraib has always had a negative connotation because yeah. Saddam Hussein and and his sons committed all kinds of atrocities there, and we'll just leave it at that. There was random acts of killing. There was, you know, they'd eat dinner or lunch in the execution chamber and watch beheadings and watch hangings and all that stuff. Just a disgusting place, right? Realistically. Um, when we got there, you know, once trying to learn what the place is, there was a part of Abu Ghraib. We granted, we controlled the exterior and the security of it, but there was a part that was still owned and operated by the government of Iraq and the Iraqi correctional officers, which, oh, all were from the the Saddam Hussein era so like April 2nd um, which is basically April 2nd to uh 2005 was the battle of Abu Ghraib and you know depending on what you read and where you get you it the the compound was attacked by a few thousand insurgents and they also attacked our supply line which was at another base so we couldn't get helicopters couldn't get any kind of support well, when they did that, they hit the wall and the fence and the, the entrance with IEDs and vehicle-borne IEDs and all that stuff. And during that mess, then um, the Iraq side of the prison, which we didn't control, it just happened to be inside of our, you know, their gates got blown open. So we literally, on top of fighting out, we have prisoners yeah. running around inside. And how do you ever know when you collect them all? Because how do you know what all is? <laughs> exactly, and, and, and I would think one of the immense challenges is that you don't know who you don't know who your enemy is. Well, yeah, you, I mean, I, mean I, I would think that that would be one of the big. Yeah. The, the, uh, they you were you were surrounded and they were inside, so it, that's not a fun way to fight. The only only one worse thing would be if they were also flying over top of us. I mean, truthfully, that just uh, it was an interesting thing and about a. 
about a like I said, depending on what you read, or you know, it was anywhere from a twelve to twenty-four hour skirmish that just felt like it went on forever, and um, the amount of explosions and mortars and gunshots and just crazy, chaotic, and hectic. Um, but uh, as usual, the United States perseveres. Yeah, the competency of our um, of our men and women. Yep, uh, no, phenomenal, phenomenal soldiers, some phenomenal fighters. Uh, yeah, the, the, the people and their resolve for going there. What you find is you make a home anywhere. Once you've made it your home, you protect it like it's your home. And that's what the soldiers did. It was, we all jokingly say it's the best, worst place we've ever been. Because it seems like we, we got a saying, embrace the suck. It seems like the more suck you put <laughs> us in, the better, the better we like it. Because... It's devoid of politics. It's devoid of all that other stuff. You're just in the fight. I mean, you're in the Sunni triangle of death. So what else is, what else can you do? Well, the suck. That's not, when you're saying that, embrace the suck, is that part of the process when you get out and there is no more suck? And the suck is that there's this silence and this, this, uh, um, what you're having to brace. Well, the, I think the problem is the thing we most most struggle with is we can do about anything, and and we're very good at embracing the suck. The problem is finding our purpose once we get out. Right. Yeah, that, I think I think purpose is a, the right. yeah. You know, so then it, we almost need to change the motto and say you know find and embrace your purpose. And I know that sounds like such an easy thing, but when when you're when you're basically. Uh, um, helping a country out or you're, you you feel like you're, you're doing God's work somewhere, right, you know, right. it, it, with the military, it's hard to find something that makes that much sense or that, that feels that important when you get back and, and not taking away from anybody's jobs, but it, it, it leaves you empty and lonely for a long time, trying to, trying to find that thing, find, trying to find your place. We, you know, we talk about, uh, uh CJ3 foundation helping heroes. Well, when we think about heroes are, they're people who's put their lives on the line. Yep. Right. Uh, that's why. That's why this. Uh, you know, it's it's not limited just to guys who are uh, serving their front line. It's why, uh, you know, a police officer, they have to embrace the suck. Right. <laughs> a uh, first responder, an EMT, yep. they're they're embracing the suck. Yep. Uh, the uh, uh, firefighter. Well, and it, they're embracing the the suck. And so you know, you when you get outside it, of that, and you've it's clear to find your purpose. And by the way, how does how do you how do you have a greater purpose than to preserve and protect your own or someone else's life? Well, and, and I will challenge you, and they hate when I, a lot of times when I use this analogy, but so the difference is I could read, a, you know, I, there was a, a 14 to 20 hour window where I had to fly from Iraq or Afghanistan or wherever I was in the world and come back home. That was my natural reset switch. So I knew I had, I had to not be a warrior or a soldier or whatever. Right. I had to become a family man. So I had that. Well, think about it. Our law enforcement, our fire, our emergency response, they don't have that. They, they have that quick drive home. They have that. Right. They live in the communities that they. And so truthfully, I hold those guys. They're extra special to me in that we, you know, the reason we wanted to look out for them. They don't they don't get yeah, that distance right. of, you know, I know when I'm going to fight because I, I got to deploy. I got to go right. too. when I come home. I'm not in that fight. They come home, they live in the communities yeah. that they're fighting in all the time. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, your uh, 
Highway Patrolman shows up uh, first on the scene of a, a horrible car accident, uh, followed up with the ambulances coming with the crew, and uh, usually the fire or the first uh, responders, and um, their turnaround time to go back home is, yep. uh, you know, minutes. Yeah, you know. Which yeah. is why it was important for us to, they don't get that opportunity to yeah. switch up. That's why we're also working like, so I'm, I'm in Leesburg, Virginia, which is where we're headquartered out of. Uh, we're, we're in Loudoun County, and Loudoun County is, uh, we're working with their fire department to acquire some of these service dogs. Why? Because when their fire department, when one of their firefighters gets shell-shocked on a scene and maybe they just saw a burning baby, maybe they, right. something they can't yeah, process, they can't out, they're not going to talk to the behavioral health person. Well, they're, so the behavioral, what we're going to supply them with are service dogs to go out and provide nothing but emotional support to these folks. and. It's amazing what, what a dog can bring out of you. It's amazing what a dog can help you through. So maybe they just sit on the scene with them and just pet the dog and just get yeah. through it. And then the dog will go in the firehouse occasionally and help them out and whatever. I've watched grown men that wouldn't tell me nothing, but then I let my dog in the firehouse. That grown man's on the ground playing with the dog, talking and just glad to open up. And, and Jason's speechless. Yeah, I just it, want you to know. <laughs> I, I, it, it, it is it is a speechless place because you know um, how can a dog make such an impact? You, you know, how can um, that service animal? It, it just it, how can it make that much of an impact? It's really it, it's the innocence and love, right? Unconditional love. It's about the closest you can come to agape love, right? It's just that unconditional love that a dog brings that. I don't think anybody can say you could beat on a dog and next minute that thing's coming back wagging his tail looking for love and looking for affection and attention and whatever. I just, you know, so I think it's, you know, the, I've seen the harder, hardest warriors break down to a dog before they break down to my mom as a doctor before they did anything. So if that's what we can do to soften them up and help get them through, that's an easy thing. Yeah, and, that's an, and, and what I found is that, you know, there's, there's different levels of, yeah. Of of how this how this I guess how it works. I, I really it's we all need somebody to uh, to feel love with. Yeah, right? absolutely That's for sure. And uh, absolutely. animal is a, as you said it's a, oftentimes a well you know my dog listens to <laughs> he listens to everything man whether he yeah. wants to or not. And thank God they can't tell our stories. <laughs> you are telling the truth. <laughs> but you know it, there's you know the the uh, comfort. Yep. Um, animals, emotional support, emotional support yep. animals, and then there's the, the service dogs. Yep. And boy, uh, that's not displacing one or saying no. Uh, they're they're different, different needs, different, right? different needs, right? And so it's it's an impressive the the difference in the different training that goes in and uh, the different level of training that goes into uh, to a service dog. And again, that's not diminishing um, uh, that. Yeah. And, and and the other problem is like any good thing. They, it's been abused. And so what we're seeing now is there's a crack to, crackdown on at the airlines, at restaurants, yeah. at, because it's been abused. People bring their emotional support parakeet in or whatever craziness is out there, right? And, and you know, bottom line, service, service animals, there's only two authorized service animals. One's a service dog and the other one's a miniature horse. Miniature horse thing to me is a little weird, but that's not my thing, right? Yeah, right. Um, but at yeah. the end of the day, only two authorized. <laughs> And the, the deal with a service animal is it has to help you with something, phys a physical mobility issue. Um, don't get me wrong, um, we do get service dogs for people with PTSD and TBI, 
but it's also because those conditions create mobility issues for them. And so there's got to be a mobility problem that the dog helps you with. Uh, emotional support is just what it is. They're trained, don't get me wrong. They're going to sense you know, Havoc has service dog plus emotional support, right? Because right? right. when, when my anxiety level goes up through the roof because I'm at Walmart and there's a sale and whatever and people are bumping into me and just what... I'm going inside my skin. I just want to come out of it, right? I do. I, I'm anxious, and his whole job is to come up and calm me down and and nudge me and pet me, that all that kind of stuff, just to make sure my anxiety. So they have a place, absolutely. It just um, people got to understand that the emotional support dogs do not have all the same rights as a service dog. A service dog basically has the same rights as a wheelchair. Right. It's the a, same it's a wheelchair. That, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. and and. Uh, yeah, that's just the, the difference. It's, again, it's not a uh, one's... One's not better than the other right. one's not. No, They're just, just different training. Right. And, and, and there's a lot more training required out of a service dog because yep. you've now got to... Uh, and to train them to the, to the recipient. I know and, we call them recipient. Yeah. And, and Jason, you, you have seen Havoc. Yeah, I have. And the, the discipline that you see in this dog is impressive. Yeah. I mean, every time I see these dogs, they're just they're phenomenal. Uh, the Kindle place here in Albia, yep. uh, you know, it's some of the, uh, the, the news being broken since we've uh, last talked, uh, we, we kind of knew maybe there's some behind the scenes. We were really hopeful that uh, this would pull up because, uh, the Kindle place, historic place here in Albia on the national historic registry, uh, the home of, uh, governor Kendall, the story behind him. Um, and for this now to become a, a home for the recipients as they come through and get that important part, you got to have a holistic healing approach to it the whole of uh the hero not uh just one part of it and uh you know that taking place right here in albion and uh, the news of the the kindle place good stuff yeah it's it just really phenomenal and I, I truthfully i'm not a smart enough guy to remember the entire list of what governor kendall did he just he has a phenomenal bio and i would highly recommend anybody to go on our website or our facebook site and look it up just um he he's just very impressive on some uh, some of his history, and so continuing off of his legacy, one of one of the things that the governor did was he helped World War One veterans out um, living out of that house. So I think it's phenomenal that how close the you know, we are to what he what is he envisioned doing, and so we get to carry on that legacy through the Kendall uh, place right here in Albia, and realistically you know there, there's some modifications and some updating we need to do but we're trying to keep the house to as in in era as possible and of course it's got some beautiful built-ins and things like that we're going to renovate and update and keep them um but it's uh it's a great place given the history of governor kendall to uh to house our recipients and it gives us space to allow them to bring their family and their support network through with them when they need it um and truthfully it gives us a, a opportunity to renovate this place and give back to albia as well because they've opened their arms to us and been really good to us that you know there's going to be some very historic pieces inside of it as well um we're bringing some part some pieces of 9-11 memorial over into the house we got we have some lim very limited edition paintings that are going to be in there that you know there's only four of this one that one of them's in the Bush Library, and we have one, right? There's just gonna be some really neat things to share with Albia and give back for for entrusting us with the Kindle Place. The back door of uh, of the Kindle Place leads into the front door of uh, of uh, 
uh, the Westover uh, Center, which is mm -hmm. where your mom is uh, doing the healing part of it. That's a God thing. Yeah, how it's, crazy is it's that? It's a block from the yep. historic Abbey Square, yep. uh, right next to the public library. And um, no, it's, just, a, it's a, it, uh, you talk about a God thing. And you have in the train station, right? I right. mean, it just kind of fits with where right. it's at, right? And and right off the square. And um, yeah, we, we've had some phenomenal donors. We, we've, we were able to uh, purchase through donations uh, two very, a little larger than probably necessary, but we never wanted our recipients to to have to need or want while they're there. Um, we got ex two extra large uh, tankless water heaters to, to go in to, that were donated. We uh, are working on the HVAC system right now. We're about halfway through our project to raise funds to replace the entire HVAC system there. That's the furnaces and ACs. So, um, then after that, we got a project of the replacing all the single pane windows because obviously there's a heck of a draft in there <laughs> with a single pane window. So it's it's we want to make this thing um, once again comfortable for the, for our recipients, but keep it as keep it as true as we can to the era and and all that of, of what that house was and and is as, just, a, as uh, a landmark. Man, it just uh, seems so fitting. Yeah, uh, no, it's great. Well, it's a god thing. Well, brother, man, uh, we could we could talk all day. We probably will. Um, uh, but uh, folks, uh, you love the the garb, man. Uh, the CJ three garb that you hold on. It's just what, nice. day, it, what day is today? Yes, is remember every deploy. It's Red Friday. Remember and, uh, every and deploy. I, and Red Friday, by the way, George Red Fry from Albia. Um, we used to have Red Fridays. Awesome. And this, this is, and George uh, was a, a legend, a football hero, yep. obviously one of the Ironmen for the 1939 Iowa football team, but um, really one of the founders of the occupational health program through the VA. Very important. Uh, and here's an Albie guy and on, on a red Friday. That's Good awesome. stuff, man. And, and hopefully with that. Jason's going to get us up to Connick Stadium. We, As I grew up in Iowa and am a Hawkeye fan, we with our service dogs want to do the wave and want to, towards the hospital. And I'm just saying, Jason, just saying, challenge uh, is dry. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. With that, we will leave this conversation. And uh, Erica, we'll uh, look forward to getting you back on here and uh, continuing the, the, the story and uh, good stuff. Thank you again for having me. Eric Thomas, the founder and director of the CJ3 Foundation.